0: It has been a hell of a week, and after a four-year-long wait since Lee Chong Wei's last winning All England title in, back in 2017, we finally see a new breath of fresh air for Malaysia's badminton. Stunning, heart-stopping, breathtaking game. What a finals match! Hi, this is Noen Go, and you're listening to Picharminguini this week in Malaysia. the first story of the week uh well last week you know um on sunday was a really really great game so although i start a little late for a recap but it is better late than never topping the charts for the stories of the week is lee Yeah. so lee Zhe-Jia finally clinched his very first world title on sunday after defeating world number two from denmark victor axelson in a nail-biting game for the all england men's singles title this was his second appearance in all england since 2020 that was just last year um, well he lost to the same person in the semis so lee jizia's poor performance in the italian open prior to the game in birmingham england became a boost for the 22 year old malaysian lad from Kedah. and he defeated the 1.93 meters tall danish in style first set he won by 30 to 29 then he lost in the second set, 20-22. And finally, he came back up at 21-9. So prior to meeting Exosen, Lee Sijia trounced world number one Kento Momota from Japan in a straight set, 21-16, 21-19. And yes, you who can forget that crazy backhand smash that got Momota downfounder during the match? And then it is, you know, well known for that backhand. And uh, even people were... Uh, Trying to look at the similarities with Indonesia's Taufik Hidayat. So all that said, Li Zii really made a name for himself. You know, he was he wanted to be known as Li Zii rather than the next Lee Chong Wei. Well, he is certainly a new star for Malaysia. A new star is born from the old England. A bright future ahead for Malaysia's badminton. And although the mixed doubles Chang Peng Soon and Goh Liu Ying did not manage to uh, go to the finals and we're also seeing great potential in our women's doubles pair, Pearly Tan and and M. Tina, showing very promising performance during the All England. So let's look at the second story I'd like to share with you all in This Week in Malaysia. So, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, DPRK, or commonly known as North Korea, announced the severance of diplomatic ties with Malaysia last week after the citizen Moon Chol Yong felt in his appeal against the extradition to the U.S. for alleged money laundering. So, Moon faces four charges of money laundering in the U.S., and two conspiracy to launder related to his business in supplying prohibited luxury goods to North Korea from Singapore. He was put on a flight to the US on March 17. So Malaysia reacted to expel all North Korean diplomats and their dependents within 48 hours and all of them departed for Pyongyang via Pudong, China on March 21st, it was on Sunday morning. Now while some of our international media friends as well local media friends are saying this is just a reminiscence of what, what actually happened in 2017. So, you know, North Korea's Foreign Affairs Ministry said that in agreeing to the extradition to the US, Malaysia had committed an unpardonable crime. That was kind of heavy coming from North Korea. Well, Malaysia's Foreign Affairs Ministry, or aptly known as Putra, denounced the North Korea's move as unfriendly and unconstructive, and one that disrespected the spirit of mutual respect and good neighbourly relations among members of the international community. So the tit for tat between the two countries did not happen overnight as Malaysia and North Korea's relations soured after the assassination of the North Korea leaders, Kim Jong-un's half-brother, Kim Jong-nam, in 2017. You remember the famous uh, assassination in uh, KLA-2 about four years ago, so the woman charged with the crime of poisoning King Jong Nam, one Vietnamese and one Indonesian, Don Thi Hong and Siti Aisha, they were later acquitted and released upon request by their respective governments. That was during Pakatan Harapan administration. So Malaysia also filed a red notice through Interpol to locate and extradite four North Koreans believed to have masterminded the operation. So Malaysia and North Korea had a long history of relations, establishing the diplomatic relationship since 1973. You know, it all ended this year, 2021. Just 40, you know, just nearly four, four decades of uh, relationship uh, with with North Korea. So, about the presence of North Koreans in Strawak too? Shocked many when the explosion of coal mine in Selantik, Sri Aman claimed three lives, a North Korean, a Myanmar, and one Indonesian in 2014. Now, so in 2017, at that time during Varysad National, um, the reports are saying that the, there were 117 North Koreans employed as specialized workers in the coal mining and heavy construction sectors in Sri Aman, Mukha, Bintulu, and Lawas. No, of all the places, the Hermit Country, the, the citizens of the Hermit Country work in uh, one of the states in East Malaysia, and even even Sarkins or even Sabahans won't realize that they were North Koreans working there. But as of now, twenty twenty one, fast forward to this year, no more North Koreans in Malaysia. Let mm, none is no need to go about whether we're seeing North Koreans in Sarawak, But certainly, I think once borders are open, we'll be seeing a lot of South Koreans coming over to Malaysia after seeing the Visit Malaysia at. So let's hope things get better after this. Well, moving forward to our third story of This Week in Malaysia. Media was a bus waiting for you know opposition leader Ano Ibrahim's press conference last week after a meeting was held between him and the MPs of the party. Rumors were rife about PKR and AMNO's cooperation and partnership since the publication of the frenzied exclusive interview by Utusan Malaysia and Anwar Ibrahim on Mingguan Malaysia. So during the press conference, Anwar said the PKR rumored cooperation with AMNO remains in the initial stages of discussion and has yet to be formalized. He has hinted there were AMNO MPs supported for the idea of a collaboration. And later, some of the leaders from Amno refuted that. You know, they have rebutted that, including Shah Hamdan and to name a few. Now when asked about whether he still believes that he has strong, convincing, and formidable numbers, this is what he has to say. You have a so now, you still have a I have the yeah, educate numbers. Question is is it really a majority number to take control of the parliament or not? So we just have to wait for this SNAP election or G15. But here is here is the latest composition in the parliament in numbers as of March 13, 2020. Uh, previously, we have seen uh, defections and uh, members, the MPs from PKR has left the party and showed their support for the uh, ruling Coalition, Breakata National. So we've seen Kuala Langat MP uh, Dr. Xavier Jay Kuma who is also the former Vice President of PKR and also for former Water and Land Natural Resources Minister, uh, last week announced his resignation from the party and uh, supported uh, Muhyiddin Yassin's uh, government. The same goes with Julau MP as well as Tabrao MP um, Larry Sung and Stephen Chung. So now let's look at the latest composition. Prekata National currently stands at one one two seats, where AMNU had thirty five, Persatu thirty one plus Azmin's faction of ten. That's a total of thirty one. PAS has eighteen MPs or GPS, which comprises of PBB, SUPPPRS, and PDP had eighteen. Star had one, MIC one, MCA two, PBRS from Sabah had one, PBS has one are independent four uh, namely lubo antu julau tebrau and Langat. Uh, let's look at pakatan harapan ph currently at 88 mps uh, where pkr are currently at 35 dap maintained at 42 while amana at 11. there are also non-aligned mps there's 17 of them uh, we'll start with muda one from Moa, warisan eight Pajuang four which includes langkawi mp and so forth also the seven Prime Minister Dr. Mahathir Mohamad APCO 1 Independent 1 Simpang Renggam this one refers to Dr. Mazli PSB or Parti Sarawak Bersatu 2 uh, 1 from Sri and 1 from Selangau including Barubian who's also the former works minister and also formerly the Sarawak PKR chairman and interestingly 3 from AMNO. These are the non aligned ones because earlier on they were part of the AMNO bloc, which supported the Prekata National. And later on, just right before the announcement of the emergency, the uh, MPs, uh, for example, uh, the Padarungas MP Nazri Aziz, and you have Tunku Razali, the MP for Gwam Musang, and also Ahmad Zazlan, uh, MP for Machang announced they, are, they, they were going to pull their support uh, from they are, they are not supporting Muhyiddin Yassin as the prime minister. So there you have it how this situation in our parliament and as of now the parliament is still suspended. So let's move on to the next story. So Malaysia brought in a new law on March 12th to tackle misinformation and disinformation, while well, some politicians will say fake news. Well, fake news is only related to COVID-19 and the state of emergency imposed nationwide since January, with the threat of hefty fines and jail terms up to six years. So this ordinance will make it an offence to publish or reproduce any wholly or partly false content related to the pandemic or the emergency declaration. So the Emergency Essential Powers number no. 2 Ordinance 2021 dated March 11, uh, which takes effect uh, on the March 12th, stated that perpetrators who speak fake news in writing, videos, audio recordings or in any other forms that may convey words or ideas will face actions. That includes media as well. However, communications and multimedia minister Safidin Abdullah has assured that action will be taken against those who spread false news about COVID-19 and the emergency and not because of criticising the government. So he also said that the ordinance was aimed at protecting the public from being deceived by fake news instead of saving the government for criticism. Safidin also said that the government will differentiate between criticism of the government and fake news. So the government is going to decide whether uh what we are reading it's fake news or not and and yeah i mean it's as if we are going to the era where government knows best yes we understand that we are currently facing a lot of problems with misinformation and disinformation and because of this malinformation and information disorder they created a situation where people are hesitant taking out the vaccine but if you are listening here when you get a vaccine go and get it you know it's it's safe yeah. and and you know if you are not sure you can always ask you know rather than dig up for information on your own and at the end of the day you can't find the the, the correct answer well media rights group and associations like the media merdeka geram expresses concern over government's move geram also called for all laws that are gazetted not to be used as tool to silence pressure or bully parties with an opposing view so the National National Union of Journalists NUJ has joined the chorus and said that the union disagreed with the move. Is there room for abuse? So NUJ is also of the view that Media Council can also be a charge of looking at the alleged fake news crimes committed instead of the government having to like, gazette new laws. Uh, you know, through this through media council, the government can display transparency over alleged crime committed. But then again, what comes next? Now, how will this entail? Should the general election be called during the emergency period? And then, bear in mind, this anti-fake news uh, ordinance is still in place. But what will happen next? I guess time will only tell. So, moving forward, you know, at the end of this week, it will be even more interesting. Now, all eyes will be on AMNO's upcoming energy meeting (AGM) this weekend on March 27 to 28 at the Kuala Lumpur World Trade Centre. Was previously known as Putra World Trade Center. That's where AMNO's headquarters is situated. Now, AMNO's recent statement from the Supreme Council meeting a couple of weeks ago said that they will not be cooperating with Basatu in, in the upcoming GE15. Now, this will be part of the resolution or proposal to be discussed during the AGM. So, how would that work next while well, PASS seeks to be the bridge? to build the cooperation between the three Malay Muslim parties under the umbrella of Papaduan Ummah. But the nails and the coffin as UMNO splits into several factions whether to work with the Loose Cooperation of Perikatan National, Wibasatu, and PAS. So, bear in mind, um, PAS is officially part of Perikatan National. While the partnership between UMNO and PAS, um, they started working together during Pakatan Harapan's time. Under Mavakat National. Well, one faction of Amno with the likes of Federal Territories Minister and former Amno Seggen Musa is leaning towards working under PN. But the other faction, headed by Amno President Amazai Hamidi, said that they will not be working in Basatu and will be contesting head to head to get back all the seats. Where 14 former Amno MPs are now in Basatu. So there are Several so called clusters within AMNO, such as the ministers cluster and the court cluster. That's where Zaid Amiri and Najib are in currently. And not forgetting some of the key players within AMNO, like Ismail Sabri, Hishamuddin Hussein, and Tengku Razali, may influence the direction of AMNO in a coming snap election. So it will be a heated AGM this weekend, and we will see how, that, how it will turn out. On Sunday as Amno AGMs comes to a close and what will be the resolutions on the meeting? Well, while Basatu and Prekata National seek to further strengthen the coalition and possibly seeing more MPs shift alliances to PN, Amno will start making their moves as we prepare for the upcoming snap election. So we shall wait and see. Listen to the full podcast of Bichara Mingo Ini on Spotify, Anchor and Google Podcasts. Follow me on twitter at imnongo for the latest updates on current affairs and stories.